Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. Uh, We are going to start a new series tonight, and it's going to be on spiritual gifts. And really excited about it. I think it's going to be a powerful thing. The, The theme is building the church. Shout out to Larissa for coming up with that, with that awesome graphic. And also, I think maybe shout out to AI, correct? Yes. So good. Thank you, chat GPT. We love you. I always believe that, you know, the best thing to do is to be kind to AI in case all the sci-fi is true and they become, you know, our, our like robot overlords. Like, I want them to know that I said some good things about them back in the day. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. Um, if you have your Bibles, please grab them. Turn with me to... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as we start this new series on spiritual gifts. And as we do, I'm going to pray, God, we love you, we love your word, and we sincerely desire to have it transform our lives, and not just to have it transform us inwardly, but to change the world because of it, and to change the community, to change the church because of it. So I do pray a bold prayer for this series, that this series would not just stay in this room, but that the ripple effects would affect our church, would affect the Space Coast, and over the next years would affect the world. And so we just ask that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So to start us off, I want to tell you a story about my three-year-old son named Isaiah, who is a one of my best friends in the entire world, such a legend. And uh, I am currently in the process, Katie and I are currently in the process of teaching him how to clean up uh, uh, after himself. And uh, the process is not going well. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite, quite a slow and arduous process. And uh, really the, the thing is, like, as, um, as a toddler, he just is like excited about something. He passionately uh, charges it for you know, three minutes, and then he goes on to the next thing and goes on to the next thing. And so eventually, by the end of the day, the, the, like, the house is just a mess. And to be honest with you, uh, I'm somebody that, like, I think about productivity. I think about the quickest way to get something done. I think about the most efficient way to get something done. And the most efficient way for me to get the house cleaned is to just get him out of the room, right? It's like the the best thing I can do is for him not to be involved. But uh, I am in the process of trying to get him to help me and help really him learn how to clean up after himself. And like we we have, he has these um, pom-poms and um, just just a a horrible invention, honestly, (laughs) because he loves them and he likes to like pretend he's cooking with them and uh, but they just get everywhere. And so I kind of like came up with this strategy a couple nights ago. I was like, Isaiah, you're going to clean up the pom-poms and I'm going to clean up everything else. Well, I kind of like start and I look over and he's like throwing the pom-poms in the general direction of the bag, but it's like it's making the problem worse. Like, it's like, this is actually, so I had to, like, bring over the bag. I was like, the, I don't want you to throw another pom-pom. I want you to put every pom-pom in this bag. And then, like, I look over, my one-year-old son is, like, eating pom-poms. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this has gone terribly wrong. And, but here's the thing. Like, my goal in this process is not necessarily to efficiently clean up uh, the house right now. My goal is, first off, I want to raise him up to be a man of courage and character. And, and so I got to train him in that. And hopefully I'm equipping him for the future. Now, I tell you this to say that uh, at the beginning of the church, when Jesus really, uh, uh, he, he was on the scene, he had trained up his disciples, and before he went back to heaven, he began to introduce to them uh, what I would call on the surface a terrible strategy. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but Jesus basically said, hey guys, here's the deal. Um, I know I'm the savior of the world. I'm about to die. I'm about to rise again. Uh, I'm about to save the world or create the opportunity to save the world. But like, you're gonna be the ones to carry out the mission. And like, I'm leaving. It's, it's just gonna be you. Like, it's gonna be you and the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit, but like, you're gonna be the ones. Like, you're the plan A. There's not really another plan. That's like, y'all, y'all are the plan. And th- this is what happens, uh, and you can kind of see it in Acts chapter one, verse eight. He says this, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of sight. So literally, like at this moment, Jesus, uh, in the beginning of Acts, he's died. He's risen again. His mission is over. And now he's saying, like, listen, y'all are the plan to save the world through the Holy Spirit. Um, literally, I'm out. Peace. Like, mic drop moment. And, and what we see here, I just want to highlight a couple things. He says, first, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so uh, the Holy Spirit lives inside of every Christian. So if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. This is talking about um, an additional experience that Christians have where the Holy Spirit fills you with power in order to go out and to do the ministry that Jesus has called you to do. Whenever you see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is coming upon you, that word upon is to fill up and to overflow that you would be filled with the Spirit under the influence of the Spirit to do the mission that God has called us to do. We, we also see here that he says, when you will receive power. In other words, when this moment happens, something's going to change. You're gonna experience the power of God in your life. And the purpose of the power of God is he says, you will be my witnesses. So I'm gonna communicate uh, my message, I'm going to carry my message through you. And, and I think it's fascinating, and it really is, if you think about it, uh, kind of a similar situation to me and my son. Like, like God is saying, like, there's probably on the surface in, in a, um, maybe we would think in our logical minds, there's a better way to do it. Maybe just like God showing up to people and being like, you're saved, you know? But God says that, that the plan that he has made is for his church, his body, his Christians to actually be the one to go out and to carry out the mission. A couple of reasons I can think for this that I believe in, speak about this in scripture. Um, and one, just like I am growing my son and I am teaching him to, to mature by teaching him to clean up, God is growing us by inviting us to participate in his mission. It's one of the main ways that we grow spiritually. Number two, um, we read in scripture that when God uses us, who are weak vessels, it actually demonstrates his power in a great way. That, that because we are broken vessels, God's might can shine through. It, it says in uh, 1 Corinthians that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So that it wouldn't be said, man, look at how great that person is. It would be said, look at how great God is. And then number three, we see that since the very beginning of Scripture, God has always wanted to partner with people and to walk with people to use his mission. Now, one of the primary ways that God does this is through spiritual gifts. And so we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. But when you think about spiritual gifts, I don't want you just to think about, okay, like, these are some interesting, maybe weird, maybe scary, maybe cool, maybe fascinating things. I want you to be thinking, okay, the ultimate goal is God is trying to reach the world. God is trying to take his message of love and hope to the nations. He's using us. The way he's using us is spiritual gifts. So that's the kind of context. All right, so here's the outline that I'm gonna go through today and we're gonna talk about today. First off, I wanna talk about some foundational truths about spiritual gifts. Secondly, we're gonna look at a definition of spiritual gifts. And then third and finally, we're gonna talk about some next steps. How can we move forward? So foundation for spiritual gifts. I think I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Did I say turn, turn to 1 Corinthians 12? Okay, so y'all are already there. Y'all are like waiting for me to get there. Yeah, okay, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is one of the few passages in the Bible that specifically highlights spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, um, and I believe 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4. Those are the four places in the New Testament that really highlight spiritual gifts. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 right now. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12, first verse. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I've actually been thinking about this verse all week, and I've just been kind of like, 
rattling it around in my head, and it's just been a fascinating verse to me. I don't want you to be uninformed about it. I want you to know about spiritual gifts. And I think that that is just a great place to start in our series because I do think a lot of people, maybe even some people in this room, are uninformed about spiritual gifts. I wonder if when I said the word spiritual gifts, you were like, I know exactly what he's gonna talk about. I'm there, I'm rocking it. I am crushing spiritual gifts right now. Maybe some people would say that. But I suspect a lot of us are on some sort of a spectrum of like, what is spiritual gifts? I've heard some teachings on it. Maybe I've taken a spiritual gift test. Maybe I've tested the waters. Maybe I'm interested. Maybe I'd like to know more. Maybe I've tried something and had a varying degree of success in it. But like, I feel like a lot of us are in a place of like, I, I just would like to know more and I would like to be successful in walking in my spiritual gifts. And Paul just says that, like, hey, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know about this. This is important knowledge and important information for you to know. And I was thinking about this. There's a couple of different ways that people can be uninformed. Paul wrote this message to the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he said, you have been given every spiritual gift. There is not a spiritual gift you don't have. That's interesting that later he said, I need you to know about spiritual gifts because they have all of them. And actually, as we study the gifts or the, the Corinthian church, what we discover is that uh, they are having a lot of spiritual gifts, but they are wild and they are out of order in their spiritual gifts. They're just going crazy. They are the church that you walk into and you're like, this is a bananas church. Like there's some crazy stuff happening here. And they were actually out of order and they were using the gifts in a hierarchy. They were actually saying, well, I have this gift that makes me better than you. I have this gift that means I have special spiritual powers that you don't have. And so that's the ext one extreme is you have the gifts and you're just going wild and using them the wrong way. The other extreme we read in um, Revelation chapter three or four, I can't remember, about a church that Jesus writes to. At the beginning of Revelation, Jesus talks about uh, seven different churches and there's a church called the church at Sardis. And the church at Sardis, he says to them, Jesus says, you have the reputation of being alive, but you're actually dead. That's a scary thing. Everybody looks at you and they're like, great church, very impressive love what they're doing, they're dead, no, nothing's happening, nothing spiritually is advancing, and so what we would say in that situation is, man, there are people that are not really operating in their spiritual gifts, they're not using the things that God has given them, they're not walking out in obedience what God has called them to walk out. So these are the two extremes that we can find. Just this idea, you can be uninformed. Let's look at verse two. He says, you know that when you were pagans, Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one who can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There is a lot we can talk about here. This is a very significant passage in a lot of different ways. But I at least want to highlight for the purpose of talking about spiritual gifts that Paul here is talking about pre and post salvation. And what we need to know about spiritual gifts is spiritual gifts happen after you get saved. Okay? Now, there are a lot of things that make up who you are and that make up the contribution that you make to the world. Um, here at Calvary, um, we do a class called Shape. And that class really gives a framework for how God may want to use you in your life. Um, SHAPE, I have an acronym up here, and it stands for Spiritual Gifts, Heart Passions, Abilities, Personality, and Experience. Now, God can use all of these things to help you find your specific place where you can make the greatest impact for God's kingdom. But I want you to notice something. The bottom four, heart passions, abilities, personality, and experience, every human being in the world has these things, okay? You can be a non-Christian and you can have a passion to help people. You can be a non-Christian and have amazing God-given abilities. Every person, Christian or non-Christian, there's part of their personality, like their whole personality is, is, is formed uh, in the image of God. And so there's beautiful parts of people's personalities. God can use non-Christians' experiences to have them uh, 
help the world, okay? So, so the bottom four things, anyone can have. But what we need to understand is spiritual gifts are only given to Christians because when you get saved, you are given a spiritual gift or multiple spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's a really practical thing, okay? If you are not a Christian and you're operating in a supernatural ability, that's not a godly ability, okay? And if, you're not a, if you become a Christian and you had an ability to operate supernaturally before you became a Christian and you're still operating in that, that's not a spiritual gift. It's coming from the other camp, okay? So we got to understand that. That, that, that there can be supernatural things that are not from God. Okay, let's keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verse four. He says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So Paul is saying, that one of the beautiful things about spiritual gifts is that God is doing a lot of things on planet Earth all at once, and he's using a lot of different people, he's using a lot of different churches, and he's using a lot of different talents and abilities. Um, this is not my saying. I've heard people say this before, so I'm kind of stealing it, but it's the concept of one farm and many fields, one farm and many fields. Um, just as an illustration of this, uh, my dad has a 70-acre farm uh, in South Carolina. And on this farm, um, he has cows, and he has chickens, and he has an orchard, which I helped plant, no big deal. And he has uh, some vegetables that he raises, mostly cows, but a lot of other stuff on there too. Now, each one of these different uh, food sources... And if you are a vegetarian, just pretend I just said orchard and vegetables. Um, each one of these different food sources requires a different thing and a different care for that thing, okay? Like, you don't raise a cow to, to cherish for the vegetarians, to eat for those of us who are not. Uh, you don't raise a cow the same way that you raise a pear, okay? It's, it requires an entirely different thing. And in the same way, um, God uses different people, different talents, different skill sets, and even different churches can have different focuses. Now, I think this is really important for us to remember, and here's why. Um, one of the things that I think is, is a huge struggle right now um, with, with the church is that um, a lot of churches are using, like, worldly techniques to market themselves. And a worldly technique uh, basically says like, okay, well, uh, we're awesome, and the way that we prove that we're awesome is we're tearing down everyone else. And a lot of churches, uh, and, and each camp of churches, each denomination of churches, or each theological focus of churches can do this, whether it's like Reformed, or whether it's Charismatic, or whether it's Seeker-Friendly, or whether it's uh, like Calvary Chapel teaching verse by verse. Everyone can be like, well, listen, every other way of doing it is wrong, and we're the best because we're doing it this way. And, and so a lot of people in the way that they promote their church is, is they do it by being critical of other churches. Now, there are better ways to do church than others, okay? So I'm not saying like any church you walk into, it's just fine, okay? There's better ways to do it. And I, I do believe that there is a lot of wisdom um, in searching the scriptures, and I believe there's a lot of wisdom in, in, in trying to find the, the best possible uh, version of church and the best, uh, most biblical version of church. So I'm not saying every church is, is, is good, but I do think that we have to remember that God uses a lot of different types of churches to reach people. And we don't have to be critical or have a heart of criticism about it. Okay, I'm just giving a quick recap of what we just talked about, because we just kind of laid a foundation for spiritual gifts. So three things, here it is on the screen. Number one, we need to be informed about spiritual gifts. Number two, spiritual gifts are a gift of the Holy Spirit to every believer after they become a Christian. And number three, the global church, not just Calvary Chapel here in Melbourne, but all over the world, the global church is one farm, many fields. We don't compete with each other. We complete each other. We complete each other. Okay, so 
I told you that the first thing we're gonna do is we are going to uh, build a foundation. Then next, we are going to go on to a definition of spiritual gifts. Now, a great definition of spiritual gifts is found right here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven. And it says this, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And I'm gonna break this down into four different parts. First, I wanna look at this, uh, ver, or this, the first part, which is to each is given. To each is given. And what I want us to realize is that God gave you a spiritual gift. And I want you to realize that God gave me a spiritual gift. And, and if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, then um, actually, literally what, what happened was when the Holy Spirit uh, came into your life at salvation, the Holy Spirit, partnering uh, with God, decided this is the spiritual gift I'm going to give you. Looking forward into your future, looking forward into what he's going to need from you, looking at how he wired you and how he crafted you, he said, I'm going to give you a spiritual gift. And, and I want you to skip down, if you will, to verse 21 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In this uh, passage and in this chapter, the Apostle Paul gives us one of the most famous uh, illustrations of the church and one of the most famous illustrations of spiritual gifts, and it is that of a body. Look at verse 21. He says this, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. So what he's saying is that, that there are things um, that in the body that maybe we would neglect or maybe we would think are, are less important. Um, but like how many know, like, the, the, like for example, um, if you, like you may think like, eh, don't, don't really need my little toe. But like the moment you hurt your little toe, the moment you drop like a weight or like stub your little toe, you're like, this is a really important thing and I've neglected it. I did not think it was honorable, but it is very honorable. Um, and I remember, Stephen, you, you gave an illustration. Do you know where I'm going with this? And what was it? Because he, he, he was like, what, what, which finger is the most important? And it's the pinky, right? Is it the pinky? Yeah, and it's like the, and like, because every, why, why is it the pinky that's important? Do you remember? <laughs> Lots of reasons it's important, yes. Balance, okay, there you go. And so, um, man, I always need to remember to coordinate these things beforehand. Every part of the body is important, all right? You got it. Look, keep reading with me. Verse 24, he or actually go back to verse 23. He says, all the parts that are un presentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that it suffered, that, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And, and I mean, if you think about this, like, if, if you're sick, I, I got food poisoning like two weeks ago. So horrible, terrible, terrible. And like that moment when I was sick, I wasn't like, man, at least I don't have a sprained ankle, right? My whole body was suffering. I was extremely sad. If you're in a moment where you're just enjoying life, you're eating good food, you're with good friends, like your whole body is happy. Your, your whole body is rejoicing together. And he says, it's the same thing. That when we are together, God has brought us together and we're supposed to be united together and we need every part. The church needs me, but the church also needs you. And none of us would say like, like if somebody came up to you and they're like, which part of your body would you like get rid of? Like the answer is like zero. Can I like be none of the above? Like I don't want to get rid of any of it. I like it all. Like it's, it's, I need every part of it. And I was thinking about this. I did some research, and I looked up on the World Health Organization, and the way that they phrase it is structural disability. Uh, there are 
one in six people in the world is categorized as having some form of a disability, but there are many types of disabilities, whether they be learning disabilities or whether they be mental or, or some sort of uh, like even uh, like interior disability, but a structural disability is actually something that uh, physically is affected in your body, whether that be that you were born without a limb, whether that be that there is some sort of disformity in your body or something that is visibly, uh, something that most people do not have. Uh, that, that it causes your body to not function in a traditional way. And it often creates challenges uh, for you. And, and what I would say is that, uh, unfortunately, um, the body of Christ has structural disabilities because there are people who are Christians who are not participating in the body of Christ. And, and sometimes, like, I, I'm thankful that some days my foot isn't just like, I don't feel called today. You know, like, it's not, it's not my day, I'm going to take it off. And, and what, what we are meant to see here is that we need each other. That God has given you a spiritual gift, and he's given it for you to contribute. Uh, to, he's given each one of us a spiritual gift. So that's to each is given. The second part of this verse, verse 7, we see this, the manifestation. So Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. What is the manifestation? That's a big word. That could be a scary word. But the word manifestation literally means a display or an illumination, a revealing. And so the image here is, uh, it is as if a light bulb is dark and it is turned on. It is as if a torch is, is just a, a stick of wood and then it's lit and there's fire on the torch. And what we see is, I, I was thinking about this just as a real simple visual. Um, every morning, um, I wake up, uh, to, to do my quiet time, I brew my coffee, and I go outside, and I plug in my cool uh, lights that look similar to these lights, and they're outside on my patio, and it's dark, and I sit out there with my lights, and I read my Bible, and it's dark, you can't see anything, and then I plug in the lights, and the patio lights up. That is an illumination. You can see where you couldn't see before. It's evident and visible, something that was invisible before. And what we are meant to understand from this word manifestation is this, that God's power and God's love is being shown to the world through spiritual gifts. And so here's, here's something a lot of people say. A lot of people say, I wish God would move in more miraculous ways. I wish we would see God's power at work. I, I read the book of Acts and I just, I, I wanna see that happen again. Now I'm all for miracles, I'm all for supernatural things happening. Some of the spiritual gifts we would consider supernatural, and we will talk about those in this series. But I do want to highlight something, which is even the spiritual gifts that we would consider not as cool are still a manifestation and a display of God's power. So if your spiritual gift is serving, and you are serving on the setup and teardown team, putting out signs and uh, brewing coffee and walking out in the rain and in the darkness to put in signs, that's a manifestation of God's power. God's moving in power. He's displaying his love to the world. If your gift is giving and you love to give to people and you love to bless, if your gift is encouragement and you are someone that loves to just speak life and speak hope into people, when you're speaking life and speaking hope into people, like that is God's power and God's love being displayed. So don't think, oh, that's just the lame gift. There's some cool supernatural gifts. They're all a manifestation and a display of God's love and power. So to each is given a manifestation, and it's a manifestation of the Spirit. Now, I want to do a quick theological deep dive with you for a second on this idea of the Spirit. And I want to talk about Jesus. You guys cool if we talk about Jesus? Yeah, we like talking about Jesus. Okay, Jesus is fully God, and he is fully man. When he came to this earth, he was fully God and fully man. But this is what uh, Philippians says about Jesus. Look on the screen, verse five of, of Philippians chapter two. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he was God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but what did he do? He 
What did he do? He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So the question is, what does it mean that Jesus emptied himself? Does it mean that he stopped becoming God? No. He never stopped becoming God. He is always fully God. He emptied himself of his divine power. In other words, when he was on this earth, he was not operating as the, with the power of, of his divinity. Like, like, God has power to do things. Um, God spoke and the entire world was created. Pretty impressive power. So when Jesus became a human being, he is still fully God, but he emptied of himself of that ability to do God powerful things. So the question is, Jesus did some pretty cool things. Uh, he healed people. He cast out demons. Uh, he spoke with authority. He had words of knowledge. He had words of encouragement. He taught. How did he do that? Glad you asked. Look at verse, uh, Luke chapter 3. It says this, now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, this is Jesus's baptism, the start of his ministry, the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. You have a picture of the Trinity right there, God in heaven, the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, Jesus. And then it says in verse uh, one of chapter four, and Jesus, what does it say? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. So, remember, Jesus emptied himself of his divine power. So when Jesus was on this earth, for the first 30 years of his life before this moment happened, he couldn't just be like, let there be light. And there was light because he emptied himself of that. But what we see is at his baptism, at the beginning of his ministry, he is filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is uh, empowering him, God's Spirit empowering him to do the works that he is called to do. Now, here's the crazy thing. You and I, when we're saved, we are saved and we're filled with the Holy Spirit we're baptized in the Spirit. So that is why Jesus can say this crazy thing that he said in John chapter 14. Look in John chapter 14. He says this, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Y'all going to do the same works. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. Why is it that Jesus could say we as Christians are going to be doing the same works that he did? We, he said that because Jesus, as a human being, was still God, but emptied himself of his divine power and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, because he was perfect, because he was God, because he wasn't just like a normal human, I believe he had the ability naturally to be able to operate within the Spirit much better than we do naturally. We have to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to respond to the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to obey the Holy Spirit. He was naturally able to do that. So let's face it, he had some advantages that we didn't have, okay? But he also was utilizing the Holy Spirit's power and surrendering to the Holy Spirit's power, which is why he was able to do what he did, which is why he could say, now you're gonna do the same thing. To each person has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. And so what that means is God has given you the Holy Spirit as a Christian, and so you now can walk out the mission of Jesus, okay? Now, the last thing is this, the manifestation of the Spirit, and it is for the common good, for the common good. The spiritual gifts are not to impress people. The spiritual gifts are not to make you feel cool about yourself. The spiritual gifts are not to build your platform, build your brand, the spiritual gifts are for the common good, for the body. So I want to talk really quick because of this concept of spiritual gifts being for the common good. I want to talk really quick about a theme, and the theme is organic versus organized. And, and here's what I want to say about this. A lot of people, when they think about spiritual gifts, they think about them being very organic. And actually, um, that is true. You should be able to operate in the spiritual gifts in your normal life. In other words, like we don't need to set up 
a moment in time where it's like, okay, right now uh, we have scheduled in the service from 8.12 to 8.17 for encouragement. Anyone with the spirit of encouragement, just go, okay? If you have the spirit of encur- the gift of encouragement, you should just be walking around assuming God has given me a spiritual gift and I'm just gonna be trying to encourage people, okay? Like I'm looking for places, you have the gift of giving, you should be like, man, God, lead me. I, I don't, like, like I, I, I'm just ready for you to use me. Jesus was interruptible. He was just walking around, boom, he got interrupted, okay? And so there is a sense in which, man, every birthday party, every single time that you go out to coffee with friends, every time you're at the restaurant, every time you're at the office, every time we say amen and close out service, you should be like, I'm assuming I'm gonna use my spiritual gifts right now. Like, this is the time. I don't need to wait for a planning center assignment to use my spiritual gifts. That's organic. But I also want to talk about organized because God built the church, and within the church, God appointed spiritual leaders, pastors, elders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and uh, he put those leaders in charge and entrusted to them a certain amount of wisdom and knowledge for how to lead the church. And so when uh, we think about sort of organized spiritual gift activities, what I think about is like, man, we have a worship team. We have people who do slides in the back. We have people who do guest services. We have people who lead our community groups. We have set up and tear down. That's just at the harbor. At our church, we have guest services. We have people who look after our kids. Uh, We have people who are on our worship team. We have people who are leading small groups at our church. There's all of these different areas of our church that are needed. And here's the thing that I see. I see that young adults in this specific generation, I think, tend to gravitate a little more toward the organic. We tend to be like, I like the idea of the organic. And I'm a little hesitant to jump into the organized. Now, I understand the hesitancy, and there's a lot of reasons for the hesitancy. Uh, Sometimes it's scary to actually commit to something. Sometimes we feel like our lives are kind of very busy, or if we we check in with this, we might miss out on that. So there's a lot of reasons to be worried about that. But here, here would be my challenge to you. My observation is that one of the best ways to grow in your spiritual gift is to commit to and be planted to the church that God has called you to. Okay? A lot of people are like, I'm just going to be organic. But what I've said, I've observed is when people go that route, I don't see them growing. And what I see is when people say, I am going to commit to using my spiritual gifts and serving in a body of Christ in a local way, you're being planted in a place, you're committed to a place, and when you're committed to a place, you grow in that place. That has been my observation, and that has been the trend. And it helps you with the organic because you're learning how to go out and just flow in the spirit as you're uh, being submitted and being planted. Now, different seasons are going to give different opportunities, okay? Um, My wife, Katie, uh, she has not been able to um, really serve in a formal way. And a huge part of that is because right now with all that I am doing, the way she's serving is like she is taking care of our boys uh, who were not allowed to leave them by themselves. We would get arrested. And so like she's taking care of them. She would love to be here. She would love to serve in some different areas, but she's taking care of them and I'm able to do what I do because she is serving behind the scenes. There are some people, and so she's serving in maybe what we would consider an organic way, not an organized way, but she's still serving the body of Christ in a huge way. She's serving our boys in a huge way. Uh, there are people, maybe you specifically feel called to pursue a certain area or pursue a certain thing. Uh, doctor, lawyer, big, imp- big, big, like, like, a, a, like a, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. It's like 817. But it, it, whatever you're trying to do that God has called you to do, it's so time consuming, so energy consuming that you can't serve in a way. And so there's seasons like that. But what I would challenge you is that a lot of times, we are kind of just deferring serving and we're doing it because we just haven't gotten to the convenient place in our life yet. Like I'll just finish school and then I'll do it. But the problem is like after you finish school, what's next? Well, I just got to find a job, then I'll do it. I just got to get acclimated to the job. I just started dating this person. We're kind of taking it seriously now. We just got married, so we just want to take some time. And then, oh, we're like, we're starting to, so like 
if not now, when? And Jesus actually challenged someone who, he said, follow me. And the man said, let me go bury my father first. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Now, he wasn't saying, like, the funeral's happening and you can't go. The the man's father was alive, and he was like, hey, I I just got to take care of some personal things first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and the other worries and concerns of life will be added to you. And so I would encourage you, don't defer using the gifts that God has given you. Don't defer serving. Say yes to serving. Take a step of faith in that. And if you take a step of faith in that, I believe God will reward it. Now, I've kind of given you a foundation for spiritual gifts. I've given you a definition of spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I just want to put up, lastly, kind of a a definition. I know I've talked a lot about it, but here's a longer definition, and I'll give you a little zingy definition in a second. The longer definition is this. A spiritual gift is a display of the Holy Spirit's power and love. It's given to every believer, and it's for the purpose of loving and serving the world, especially the church. And so this is all we've talked about. Uh, Here's the little zingy definition for you, and it's this. God wants to build the church through us. God wants to use us. He wants to use you. He wants to use me to love and to serve the world and to love and to serve the church. Here's one last thing, and then we'll kind of talk about some next steps as we close. I've talked a little bit about the reason that you serve and use a spiritual gift is to bless other people. You're you're using a spiritual gift to love the world, to bless the world as God works through you. But there is actually a beautiful personal reason to use your spiritual gifts. There's a famous story in the Gospels. You've probably heard it before if you've been around church of Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus uh, talks to this woman and he really invests into her and he cares for her and she becomes a follower of Jesus, one of the first people to ever really put her faith and trust in Jesus. Now, while this is happening, uh, his disciples had actually gone to get food and they are coming back with the takeout at this moment. And they come back and they're ready to give him food and Jesus says, I actually have already eaten. I have food you don't know about. And they're confused. They're like, you just sent us to get Panda Express right now. I'm here. No, no. And Jesus like, I already got food. Now, Jesus says this. He says on the screen, you look at it, John 4. He says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that there is actually a spiritual nourishment a spiritual energy, a spiritual strengthening that happens when we serve how God has called us to serve. Let me tell you this, that there is a way that you walk with God and know God that you cannot know him in any other way except by serving. God, we can connect to God in different ways. We connect to God through his word. We connect to God through gathering together. We connect to God through being in community. But as you serve using your spiritual gifts, you're connecting with God in a way you can't do it otherwise. And so there is actually a spiritually selfish reason to serve because it's, it's, it's joyful. You're, you're walking with the Lord, partnering with him in this moment. Now, I'm gonna ask Amanda to come up and to help us close out our time. And I was thinking about this because this is part one. I'm gonna be uh, back next week for part two. And I really do wanna challenge you, if at all possible, for you to be at all four parts. If, if you miss one, check it out on the podcast because I think it's so important for us to look at this together. But I was thinking about like, what do I wanna do to close this thing? And when it comes to spiritual gifts, there's lots of practical things that we can do. There is spiritual gifts tests we can take. We can talk to our friends and ask them, what do you see? We can search the scriptures and kind of read and kind of try to discover some of those things. We can read books. We can take classes. Lots of different things that we can do. But what's interesting is um, that if you think about it, and what I just taught you is, the gift is given uh, not by information, but it's given uh, by a work of the Spirit. It's given by the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Now, at salvation, the Holy Spirit gave you gifts. But there is also examples in the Bible of the Holy Spirit even giving people gifts after they got saved and later on in their salvation experience. The Apostle Paul, uh, he prayed for a group of Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit, and uh, they were filled with the Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. Uh, Paul talked to Timothy, and he said, 
uh, fan the flame of the gift that was given to you at the laying on of hands. And so the implication I believe there is he was already a Christian, but Paul prayed for him and he was given spiritual gifts. And, and so what I wanna do here in just a moment is I just want us to take a moment as a, a community and just really be open to God to, to move in our lives and to help us to, to walk in what he's called us to walk in. And I really wanna challenge us for a minute because in a moment, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, uh, Amanda's gonna sing and I'm gonna ask us um, if we just wanna say yes to God and say yes to him using us, I'm just gonna ask the people that desire that to just come forward and we're gonna have a time of prayer together. Now, I think that there's gonna be a lot of people that come forward, I hope so. Maybe it's just gonna be me. But I think there's gonna be a lot of people that come forward. I think, I don't, like sometimes you think about people coming forward and it's like people who don't know the Lord or who are rededicating their life to Christ. That's not really what this is. What I think tonight is, is like, man, I'm just saying yes to like, God, I want you to use me. And so that might be like, I know my spiritual gift and I just want you to anoint it and use it in power. That might be, God, I, I, I'm just not sure and I would like to learn. Or that might be, God, I, I don't really know exactly what I'm saying yes to, but I do know I want you to use my life and I wanna start this journey. And so whatever it is, I just wanna invite us really quick just to stand up to our feet. And like I said, if, if, if you've been here tonight and you would just say, yeah, Brian, like I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus and I, I just want God to use my life. I want to be able to walk more confidently in ministry, and I want to be able to walk more confidently in, in my next step of, of just following him and serving him. At this time, you're not signing up to serve somewhere. I'm not going to, like, email you tomorrow and be like, here's your volunteer application, here's your assignment. Um, at this time, you're just really opening up your heart and saying, God, I, I just want to learn more about how I can be used by you. And so whether you're a, a ministry leader whether you've been a Christian for a long time or whether you're just learning about spiritual gifts for the first time, um, I just wanna ask you if, if, if you want to say yes to that, to say yes to I wanna learn more about my spiritual gifts, I wanna use my spiritual gifts. I just wanna ask you to just start making your way forward just right here, just as a way of saying, God, I'm available. And if that's not you, that's okay. There's no hard feelings. I don't want you to fake it or force it. But if that is you, I want you to come down. And if I didn't have the microphone, I would come down and face this direction, but I wanna face you, okay? Because I, I wanna say yes to that. I want God to grow me and I want God to use me. We're gonna pray for three things tonight. And I have them on the screen for us so you can look at either screen. Shout out to the guys in the back. We believe you guys will be walking down as well. You're just keeping the lights and keeping the microphones on, so thank you. So first off, we're really gonna just be praying that God would give us love. Um, we're gonna talk about this a little later, but um, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul actually, uh, a lot of people think about 1 Corinthians 13 and they think about the love chapter. They, they think about marriage. But actually, the love chapter is given in the context of spiritual gifts. And he says, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. He says, if I give uh, to the poor, if I sacrifice myself, if I do miracles, but I don't have love, it's worth nothing. So we're gonna pray that God would just give us a spirit of love for each other and a spirit of love for the world. So right now, God, we are just coming before you and we are just praying that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that you would baptize us afresh with your spirit. Maybe some of us in here, we've been Christians, but we've never truly experienced what it is to be filled and to be baptized in your Holy Spirit, to fill up, to overflow with your power and with your love. And so God, we just believe right now that that's happening. And God, we know that a, a evidence of that is not gonna be any one specific spiritual gift, but evidence of that is gonna be your love is flowing forth in, our, forth in our lives. So God, I pray that each person here would just be given a, a, a supernatural revelation of your love. Some of us, we're going through hard things, we're going through challenges, we're feeling anxiety, we're feeling shame, we're feeling guilt. And God, I just pray that by the power of your spirit that we would just sense your love. 
that before we love others, that we would know that you love us. But God, I also pray that right now in this moment, that you would help us to just be filled with an overna- a supernatural, overwhelming sense of love for other people. And, and that love uh, wouldn't just be an emotion, but it would be an action and a desire to love and to serve each other. We're called first and foremost to love and serve the household of faith. So we're called to love and serve other Christians, but we're also called to go out and to love and to serve the world. So God, we pray for that. Secondly, God, I, I just wanna pray for wisdom. And the reason that we need wisdom is we need to know the spiritual gifts that you've given us. We need you to open up our hearts and open up our minds and lead us to the right place. So I pray that you would give us wisdom right now, God. The the word says that if we ask for wisdom, God will give it to us. So right now, I just want you to ask that God would give you wisdom to know the right steps to take, to know how to continue to move forward. Just take a moment and ask God, God, I want wisdom from you. I want to know how to move forward. And then the last thing is this. We're going to pray for faith. What is faith? Faith is God has spoken to us and told us what to do, and now we're going to act on it. Faith is action. Faith is moving forward. And so in this situation, when it comes to spiritual gifts, Maybe some of us in here, we know what God has called us to do and we're already, we're just right now, we're sitting on the sidelines. We're like, yeah, I, I've had the, the assignment given and I'm just kind of like, I haven't taken the step yet. And so maybe for some of you guys, it's just a matter of literally saying, I'm gonna be obedient and I'm gonna step into serving. I'm gonna be obedient and I'm gonna take the step of faith, whatever that is. And maybe for some of us right now, we don't know what our spiritual gift is. We don't know how to move forward. We're, we're not quite sure. But, but we just need the, the faith to continue to be on the journey. And, and that there will be a time, even over the next four weeks, we're believing where God does give us some clarity. Where God does help us to step into serving and step into seeking him in a greater way. And at that time, God give us the faith. So God, I pray that we would be people of action. Uh, J- James Uh, In his uh, book, he writes and he says that it's not that impressive to be a hearer of the word. Anybody can be a hearer of the word. And even oftentimes, God, in our own uh, flesh, our desire is we want to have impressive speakers. We want to have entertaining speakers. We want to have people that that we like to listen to. And so I think that's awesome. I, I want that as well. But God, the, the benefit, the gold, the jewels, the, the reward doesn't happen because we heard a good sermon, but because we acted out and we obeyed your word. And so God, I pray that you would give us the faith to obey your word. May we be a people that, it's not just said of us, yeah, they, they, they heard some good stuff, they learned some good stuff, but may we be people that are actually acting it out. May, may we be obedient to your word, God. And we thank you, God. God, we know that your word says that when we obey your word, that that actually more will be entrusted to us. When we're faithful with little, more will be entrusted. So we ask for the more, God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.